Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Spectator Mode, Episode 1, a brand new gaming-centric podcast right here on the OuterHaven.net. I am your host, JJ Pietro, Joshua Jeremiah, and I am joined by the editor-in-chief of the OuterHaven.net, Mr. Keith Mitchell. What's going on, Keith? What's up, Josh? Yeah, guys, it's been a very long time since we've actually done a podcast together, and I, I really missed you guys, so I'm, I'm glad we're doing this now. Also, you've messed up my name. How? How, you, how are you not Keith Mitchell? You forgot my name, man. Come on. Shadowhaxer? No. Keith Missile? No. I, I'm at a loss here. Mr. Frame Rates Matters. Oh, yeah. Mr. Frame Rates Matters. You know what? There you go. I actually almost called this maximum FPS for the podcast just after you, but thankfully we settled on spectator mode. Maximum overdrive FPS. Uber. <laughs> Of course, we're not alone. We are joined by our friend from down under, the one and only mice, Carl Smart. What's going on, man? He's going to kill you. <laughs> no, I'm not going to kill you, but you know, you, you want to go maximum overdrive, and I've spent the last couple of days watching the English dub of JoJo, and so, yeah. The anime you fans will get overdrive. the idea. You go maximum overdrive, I'll take my My Hero Academia and go plus ultra. So there you go. I can't see you out. Speaking of that, I saw the sad news. I saw that. Yeah, and what did you the, think the, of it? The, the, the sad, the sad news. What my Hero Academia just won every anime award yet again. No, the first season's off of uh, Crunchyroll. That'll change. <laughs> is anyway. everything going? Is everything going to Funimation now? Anyway. Well, maybe. I mean, right now it is, but Crunchyroll is talking to them to try and get the rights back to the first season. So it's obviously they want to keep it because, you know, Money. if they lose that in Attack on Titan, well, it's going to kind of be a huge blow to Crunchyroll, and that's going to be a large part of their viewership they're going to be missing. Yeah, pretty much. Speaking of missing, got some topics this week. And I think uh, about 800 people are missing their jobs over at Activision Blizzard. Uh, that was a that was a good but terrible se- segue. I, I it was great, it was great, but I, I just feel bad for those people. I'm not going to cut you off anymore. Continue. <laughs> so essentially, Activision Blizzard has kind of been in a downward spiral for quite a long time. Um, we've seen it with uh, the casualization of World of Warcraft. We saw it with the downfall of Heroes of the Storm, uh, basically be taken off of the esports seen uh we've seen it with overwatch becoming less and less popular hearthstone is even starting to get a little more mundane and not really taken as seriously even though the community is still large for it and then of course we had the whole thing with destiny 2 and bungie leaving and taking the rights with them uh we had the cfo for both activision and blizzard leave the company mike morheim the ceo of blizzard basically stepped down and is leaving the company permanently in april and of course, sales are down, revenues all over the place, and now they're laying off 800 people that don't really work on the gaming development side. This is more or less like publishing, and especially in the esports league, since they're taking their focus off of it. Um, it's pretty much dark times over there, and it just makes you sit back and look at a company like that, and it's like, what went wrong over there? And I'll tell you basically what went wrong. It essentially was Activision basically putting profits ahead of gaming and blizzard's mentality since day one was quality gaming over profits i mean sure they love to make money and they have made a ton of money off of their ips but 
they always wanted to bring that extra polish to all their games to make sure it was fun, engaging, and top quality. Actually, that's not Activision's uh, motif. It's basically all about shove shit out, make people pay for it, put in some loot boxes, string all the cash they can together out of our pockets, and if it's a mediocre experience, oh well, we've got your money. And that's kind of how Blizzard games have run over the past few years since Activision, essentially, I think it was nine years ago, partnered with them and took over the company. So, um, Keith, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, this is obviously a huge, huge thing going on in the gaming world. And, you know, with Blizzard being such a loved company, a lot of fans are seeing that love being sucked away by a big corporate greedy teat. Well, when they announced that, you know, they were part of Activision, we already knew that there was a lot of issues or a lot of things that were going to happen with that company. As you said, Activision has always been about quantity over quality. Look at the Call of Duty series, a series that has declined over the number of years, even this year. Um, Activision just is not a company that is that cares about the gamers. They care about the bottom line. They care about making their investors happy. And as you saw, the same thing they were doing with Bungie, they're doing with Blizzard. As you said, Blizzard has always been a company that values the quality of their titles. They put time in in their games. They put a lot of polish in. They cater to their fans a lot. And ever since they joined up with Activision, they just have not been the same. Now, as you saw, uh, the layoffs, uh, wow, it's going downhill Fans are not happy. Uh, the debacle that happened at BlizzCon with, you know, oh, hey, we're working on this new Diablo game, but it's not for computers. It's for handhelds and mobile market. You got to know part of that was driven by Activision. It, I, it's sad. It, it, and the bad thing about this, if this continues, Blizzard might go away. They might get shuttered because I think I think Activision has a controlling stake in Blizzard. So they pretty much can close it down. I might be wrong. I'm hope I'm wrong, but yeah, this is not a good fit. If if Blizzard can get out of there, which I don't think it can happen, they should. Yeah, they yeah. Abs- absolutely should try to. Um, how about this, Carl? Do you think Blizzard, with all of their IPs they've built up over the years, can turn us around, split from Activision, and stand on their own two feet financially? If this was, God, even two years ago then, yeah, I would have said yes. They could have split back off and gone done their own thing and actually been successful again. Because back, you know, even two, maybe even three years ago, you know, you had Hearthstone at its peak of its popularity. Overwatch was doing gangbusters with the, the loot crate, uh, loot boxes and everything else. Diablo was still actually a viable franchise. StarCraft was still being seen all over Korea. And hell, even World of Warcraft was actually celebrating a good expansion for the first time in a while with Legion. Now, all of a sudden, Hearthstone's not as good. They've just abandoned Overwatch. Uh, Heroes of the Storm's not even a thing. Same with StarCraft 2. And let's face it, Battle for Azeroth was crap. Uh, yes, yes, it was. So, you know, hell, it caused all three of us on this, this podcast right now to actually stop playing WoW. And we've all actually been free of World of Warcraft World of Warcraft for quite a while. I think I'm almost two years. Yeah, I'm I'm almost hitting a year myself. I'm uh, the youngest but, of the group. I think I've got like four months. <laughs> but the, the thing is, it's like at the end of the day, it's all about the bottom line, and we could all see this coming. And I think the biggest uh, 
sort of indicator that everything was going to start going south and that Activision was going to start getting more involved with Blizzard business was when Chris Metzen left. Because he was the first of many to start departing the company. It was like all of a sudden, I think it was for a span of like three, four weeks, we heard about big names leaving Blizzard. Yep. And as soon as all the big names left, you knew Activision was going to start working their way into the company and start running it their way. Whereas before they just let Blizzard do Blizzard things and you know, we all know Blizzard's, you know, overdone meme of coming soon trademark. Well, that's now gone and they want to push out mediocre crap with loot boxes because money, money, money. Yeah, I mean, the writing was on a wall when a lot of big people just start leaving a company right after another. And it was like this mass exodus. And it's like, what exactly is going on? And, and you can see the fans starting to get worried and asking questions like, what exactly is happening over here? What is going to happen to Blizzard? Is this company going to be the same Blizzard that I remember? And fa- uh, fast forward to today, no, it is not the same company that we remember. It is not the Blizzard that we grew up with. It's a it's a former shadow of it, and I only see it getting worse. Activision has their claws in this company, and they're not letting go because of the money it brings in, the sus- the subscriptions that Warcraft brings in. It's again, I- I'm I'm happy that Bungie was like, you know what, we're leaving. I I don't know what kind of deal they cut with Activision to get out of there. But they're free. They're gone. They're doing their own thing, and I couldn't be happier. Blizzard, on the other hand, I mean, somebody did a comic of Activision, show Activision as being on fire, and Bungie made it out, and then Bungie was going to run back in, and somebody stopped them, and he was like, you don't understand. Blizzard's still in there. I need to find that because that's the perfect summary of what's happening right now. Yep, and uh, I I thought that something was really happening when pretty much the on the hearthstone side like the major uh players on team five over there just left it was ben brode hamilton Chu, and young Wu, and of course we now know that they're basically uh second dinner um and they're working with marvel now and i think it's NetEase to create some sort of a mobile game based on some sort of marvel franchise we don't know yeah. the details yet but that was what really i think made hearthstone itself turn for the worse because now it's like who's left over there dina yala he actually went to twitter and he asked people if you haven't played hearthstone and it used to be your main game what would it take for you to come back they're actually asking people now practically begging them to come back and play hearthstone i saw that and they got a shit ton of of uh people telling them what this is what i want this is what i want to see so it was nice outreach and it's kind of sad that you have to come out and say our game is hurting. We need you back. What can we do to get you guys back into our game? Yep, exactly. And I think personally, uh, demonetize Hearthstone, um, not completely, but when you look at a lot of other card games out there, I'm going to use Shadowverse as a great example. It's like when you basically just get Shadowverse, you get 10 free packs from every single expansion that they have ever released. <clears throat> and what do you get when you join Hearthstone? You get nothing. You get a couple of quests, which give you maybe like three packs here or there. Then you have to earn the rest of them through in-game gold, or you get one free pack for doing that week's Tavern Brawl. They have zero catch-up system at all for new players. And here we are going on year five of a card game with hundreds, if not thousands, of cards in the game. And yes, you don't play with all of them in standard, but wild mode does exist where you do get to play with all of them. And what happens to new players when they want to try wild mode and they don't have like 90% of the cards? They're stuck. 
have you been playing that game? Have you been playing that game? I actually haven't played Hearthstone in almost a month now. Have you played Shadowverse? Oh, Shadowverse. Um, no. Actually, okay. I tried it for a little while, and I just didn't really get into it. I mean, yeah, the anime characters are cutesy. I know I'm the anime guy over on the site, but yeah, it still wasn't mechanically um, intuitive for me to play. I mean, I just didn't get into it that much. Well, how about this? How about, so, well, so if, if I can interject, I was actually playing Shadowverse up until recently. I was playing it on the download. I got a friend of mine uh, who's actually involved with the company behind it behind it and he sort of turned me onto it and it's a lot of like magic the gathering so that way i sort of jumped into it and i could see the mechanics for what they were uh it's not it's not the best game but the fact that they do have a, a way every expansion it's like hey here's 10 free packs as josh was saying they have special events every now and again where you get free card backs and more more packs and like I, i'd save up 20, 30 packs, and then just sit there and just open them all all, all at once, and it'd take me like not even a week to get the 30 packs. And the gameplay is just as addictive as any other card game out there. So it's one of those things of like it's a it's a good game and it needs the support. Uh, but yeah, it's like coming off maybe something like Hearthstone was just I don't know whether it's the transition difference or or something like that. But yeah. I'd actually recommend Shadowverse if anybody's got some free time. Uh, me, card games was... haven't been my, haven't been my thing, so I don't usually play those anymore. Yeah, for me with Shadowverse, it was more or less the mechanics on the card, and it it wasn't like coming from Hearthstone because I played Magic the Gathering as well, and I'm used to reading you know a paragraph of text to find out what a card does, but I guess it's trying to just jump right in. Um, reading the keywords, having to look up what each keyword does, and then reading another block of text, which explains what the card does, and then reading yet another block of text to explain what it does if you evolve the card. It was like a little overwhelming for me to just jump in, you know, right in the middle of, you know, a new expansion or something to try and figure out. Yeah, I think that also might have been a difference. I actually got into it when it was in its infancy, uh, when it was in the beta stage, and I went through from the beginning. So I guess it's. That could also be a big thing as well. Yeah, and one last thing I want to speak about on the Activision Blizzard side is we mentioned how uh, Battle for Azeroth was a pretty terrible expansion, and that right there for me was the biggest indicator of Activision's influence because here we had a majorly successful expansion with Legion. Uh, We got everything we could have asked for out of that expansion. We got to finally see the Emerald Nightmare, uh, we got to experience that as a raid. They brought back Xavius on uh, the Legion attack. We got to see the Titans at the end of it. We finally got an in-game model for Sargeras, the big bad. It was amazing. And then when Battle for Azeroth came around, it's like they took Legion, neutered it, then copied the neutered portions of Legion into this new expansion, renamed some of the features to make it <laughs> sound new, and pushed it out the door. It was absolutely terrible. By the time By the I time hit I- max level i was already bored out of my mind because i'm like i'm just doing the same shit i was doing in legion all over again on a new continent and when patch 8.1 was announced and i saw that they're bringing the legion assaults back in the form of incursions i was like yep this is literally legion 2.0 i don't care for this game anymore and coupled with a Rage-tastic raid that I was on a, pr- a couple nights prior to uh, 
my subscription running out, I'm like, you know what? I am done. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm canceling for good. And honestly, I missed it for a little bit. I caught myself because I played the game for 14 years. I caught myself actually trying to launch the game. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't, I don't have a sub anymore. And then that went away. And like a month later, I, I couldn't even remember why I played World of Warcraft. I, I don't miss it at all. And now I'm looking I, forward to Pantheon. I will say that happened to me a couple of times going through my World of Warcraft withdrawal. I tried to start the game a couple of times. My subscription was still there. And I was like, why am I even bothering? I'm not going to play this game again. I gave it up for a good reason. And I will say I've had a lot more time to play other games. Uh, my gaming life has been a lot better, not being not having to worry about leveling up characters and doing raids and keeping up with everybody and looking at DPS meters. And my life has been so much better. I do not miss it. It was a great experience. And like you, I played WoW since it, since it was first released. I'm glad that it's not in my life anymore because it was a huge time sink. A lot of money, not just the subscription, but some of the dumb things they made you buy or they enticed you to buy. And I bought my first sh- a share of, of in-game items, which was like, that was dumb. I even bought gold once upon a time ago. Just more money going away that I would never see any kind of investment. So, yeah, I don't miss that game. I don't miss it whatsoever. Good riddance. <laughs> yeah, I can say the same thing. And like even looking at uh, recent news, it's like I heard about... Uh, the World of Warcraft Guild method beating the mythic version of the latest raid twice on like the day it came out, and like the big and who's the big boss of, of that particular raid? Jaina Proudmoore. We finally get to kick her butt, but it's like I couldn't even be bothered. Like I, when I gave up, I think I had the game for about a month, like the the latest expansion for about a month, and I went. I just couldn't be bothered doing this again. Whereas every other game preceding it, I've been able to uh, go through all my alts, and I had a full page of whatever they had. I think they're up to, what, 12 now or something like that you could have on a on a single server. And I'd go through, and I'd level up each individual character and go do raids with a, a horde and alliance killed. When it came to Legion, I only did two characters. And then I went to do it for Battle for Azeroth, and I couldn't even bother doing one. It was like, eh, I'm just over it. Same shit as just said. It was Legion 2.0, and I felt I now feel like a fool, and I'm sure all of us do in the same way. When you look back and you think, every time you've spent ten bucks on a mount, or you've spent whatever I think it's what uh, twelve bucks for you guys. Or something like that a month. I know it's sixteen fifty Australian per month for, for a subscription. I totaled that up over like nearly nine years that I've been playing. And I just look back and go, Wow, I have spent thousands of dollars on this game oh, and yeah. now I feel like a fool for doing it. Yeah, definitely. You look at it, it's like fifteen dollars a month times since day one, so thirteen, fourteen years I've played this game. Yeah, I could have used that money for something else. It would have been great if I was putting that money into like a savings account or something. But, yeah, you know. exactly. It's exactly. I look back on it and I'm like, I could have bought a car. I could put a, a deposit on a friggin' house with the money that I spent on World of Warcraft. It's like, 
Man, I just did mine. Subscription alone, not counting in-game store purchases or anything like Holy that. Subscription shit. alone was two thousand five hundred twenty dollars for me. Yeah, it's um. Yep, I was just adding that up. That's ah, <sighs> yeah. Well, that's what happens when you play a game with with a subscription. So um, yeah. Activision is killing Blizzard. WoW is one of the casualties. I can't be bothered to play it anymore, and my life is so much better without it. I do hope Blizzard comes out, though, alive. I hope so, too. They deserve to to at least turn this around. I mean, it has so much of a legacy to it that it just can't go down like this. They have to come back swinging somehow. Or have everybody just leave and start another company and take the DNA of Blizzard with them. Snowstorm. Let's do it snowstorm there you go there you go all right so in other news there was a big piece of information well i'll I'll take it back it's not a big piece of information it's hearsay it's a rumor so for the last couple weeks there's been a rumor that microsoft or the xbox division has been looking to bring their xbox game pass excuse me over to the switch and the rumblings have been getting louder and louder and louder to the point where most people are assuming that this is going to be a sure thing. Microsoft isn't really talking, but sources close to Microsoft are saying that this is going to happen. We just don't know when it's going to happen. The problem with this is there are a lot of people that are diehard Team Xbox fans that are worried that this move is going to pretty much dilute the Xbox brand, hurt Xbox in the long run, and maybe Xbox or Microsoft Xbox gaming division will go the same way as Sega. Now, there's been a lot of people on Twitter, Reddit, and multiple other forums saying that that's not going to be the case. And I've been talking to a bunch of people on Twitter today saying that I I don't see that happening. I even wrote an article about that this morning stating why the reasons that won't happen. Now, I am a little fearful for Microsoft as far as taking your Xbox brand and putting other platforms, mainly because of these people. You have these people that went out and bought Xboxes as Xbox One, the original Xbox, and they love the Xbox. But at the same time, these are the same people that had issues when Microsoft announced Xbox Game Pass anywhere, or excuse me, Xbox Play Anywhere, where you can play some of those games on the PC. And the first thing out of their mouths was, but the Xbox games are on the PC. I don't want them on the PC. It's the same talk we're hearing now. Xbox games will come to the Switch and that way, Microsoft is going to be able to make a little more money off of people to have a Switch. They'll have a viable service that lets them sell more stuff. And those games come to the Switch. It's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, Xbox Game Pass is all supposed to come to the PC. And Microsoft was very adamant about their message at E3 last year that they want to bring their games to almost every platform that they can. So TVs, iPad, Switch, wherever they can get it on. And I think it's a great move. Because you got to look at it. Microsoft doesn't have a lot of titles. Even right now, they don't have a lot of exclusive titles that people want to play. You know, Halo, Gears of War, Forza, Cuphead. And I know a lot of people want to play Cuphead. But think about that for a second. Say you had a a, a great amount of people buying these games on Xbox. Now, say those same people have friends that have a Switch. And they want to play Cuphead on the Switch. Well, if the Xbox Game Pass allows them to play that game on the Switch, that keeps the Xbox brand going. More people are going to play the games and everybody's going to profit. The other side of this is people are concerned that Microsoft is not going to make any more Xbox hardware. Now, 
this ties into something that you talked about earlier, Josh, where there's already rumors of two Xbox consoles going to be present at E3 this year, the Lockhart and the Anaconda. There's also talk about the Scarlet coming out later down the road. And we still have the Xbox One S. We still have the Xbox One X. And Microsoft has stated that they're not going to start making hardware. The ability to play games on another platform is a service, a game as a service, and that's going to help. But they've always said to, to play the best games, that's their words, not mine, to play the best games, the way they're supposed to be played will be on the Xbox console. Makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. It's no different than a great analogy is Netflix. You can you can rent videos from Netflix. You can get them HD and you can get them 4K, but they're not the same as if you actually had that Blu-ray disc at home in your Blu-ray player. Yes, you're getting the experience, but the better experience is if you actually had that Blu-ray disc. It's no different than that. The experience with that service is going to be good, but if you had an Xbox console, that experience is going to be a lot better. Obviously, the only platform people are talking about right now is getting Xbox Game Pass onto the PlayStation because, as you know, Sony does not like to play well with other people. And as far as you know right now, it's just Microsoft going on other platforms, not vice versa. So a lot of people are saying, well, if this comes to the Switch, then maybe Switch games will come to the Xbox. That's not part of the equation, at least right now. Right now, this is Microsoft trying to evolve the Xbox platform to ensure that it will continue for the foreseeable future. And honestly, I don't know how many people have, have said this in the past. They want a platform that they can play their games no matter where they go. They want to have this one unified box where they can play every game they want. It's not exactly the same thing, but getting that service out there kind of works to everybody's advantage. What do you guys think about that? Honestly, um, I think this is very good because Let's put it this way. Back in the day, and here I am showing my age, using terms like that, um, when you wanted to play Mario and Zelda, you had to have a Nintendo. If you wanted right. to play Echo the Dolphin and Sonic, you had to have a Sega Genesis. If you wanted to play Tomb Raider and Oddworld, you had to have a Sony PlayStation. Back then, consoles had identity. They had their own brands, and they were all proprietary to each other. Fast forward, technology advances, and now every console is built off of PC architecture. The games industry is trying to capitalize through software by putting all games on all platforms. And the lines that basically divided the consoles, which made them unique, are virtually gone. And now when you're basically buying a console these days, you're essentially buying whatever exclusives they are managing to get. And as you mentioned earlier, not many people care for the exclusives that Microsoft has put out. So therefore, that's why the Xbox One was trailing behind the PlayStation 4 in sales for the longest time, and I think might even still be the case today. They are. Yeah. It is. Now, you know, fast forward, or not fast forward, but rewind to last generation, and many people argue that the Xbox 360 was the greatest console of that generation, and I would say, yes, it was. And it did a lot of amazing things, which brought the online community into your home by introducing xbox live which is still possibly the most popular online service ever created for a video game system and now microsoft's realizing that their exclusives aren't getting them anywhere any game you can basically buy on the xbox one you can virtually get 
and on either PlayStation 4, or if you have a powerful enough PC, you can get some Xbox One games on your PC. I mean, case in point, I have Killer Instinct and Gears of War 4 on my PC because it's running Windows, and obviously Windows is a Microsoft product. And um, when you look at it like that, Microsoft has to do something to adapt in order to get back in this console race. And obviously, when you make a console, you're losing money off of it. You're never going to make a profit on hardware. It's always on software. So to go to other platforms such as Windows, such as possibly Steam and Nintendo, and definitely not Sony because Sony, we already know how they like to play with cross-platform stuff, um, and bringing their games to other mediums, that is selling themselves through their software, which, as we all know, makes the most money for a game development company like Microsoft or Nintendo or Sony. So this in my opinion, is very smart from a business standpoint. From a consumer standpoint, I think it's amazing because now Microsoft can now tout their titles to a broader audience. It gives consumers more options to play a lot, you know, a lot more games, good games at that, and it's win-win. So this is something that I think is very good for the industry. I think it's very good forward thinking on Microsoft's part. And quite honestly, if this works... This could be what digs them out of that hole and make them possibly the more favored company going into the next generation. So I am fully support this. I think this is a great idea and I'm curious to see how it goes. Now, do you see any possible downsides to this? Downsides, obviously it depends on title selection for me. Um, It also depends on how much they might charge. Is it going to be the same amount for game pass on switch is it going to be for xbox one is it going to cost any additional money because as we know switch has the best deal right now for an online service of 20 bucks a year microsoft and sony charge 60 bucks for their services so what's the uh out-of-pocket cost for that i mean for switch owners if it bumps the price up which switch is a more family-friendly console for people on a budget that might be a turnoff it could be a downside um so there's things like that to consider and then also, like I said, the game selection. What games will they bring? Will it be the entire you know, Game Pass library they have now? Is it going to be select titles? Because obviously the Switch's hardware is a little bit different than an Xbox One. Can the games itself run on the Switch that they possibly want to bring over? So there's so, some technical hurdles there too. So what people are talking about is this is going to be some sort of streaming service. As we know, Microsoft is working on their cloud streaming service, which will bring Xbox games to other platforms. This could tie into that. They haven't said anything officially, so we don't really know what's going to happen. But I'm not sure if you're familiar with what uh, Capcom did for the Switch back in Japan for Resident Evil 7. They streamed the game entirely to the Switch as as a test. And I know a lot of people weren't really happy about that. It does go to show that the possibility is there. As far as game selection, we have no idea. But Ori and uh, Cuphead are two of the biggest games that are being talked about coming over just because of what they are the family-friendly presence and there are two titles that people have been asking for especially people who own the switch for months so i see those two games definitely coming over um like you said as far as downside pricing xbox game pass is ten dollars a month but it gives us access to a huge library of games we don't know if it's going to be a little different when it comes over to the switch or not so those are also unknown factors for right now Carl, you've been kind of quiet about this. What do you think about this? I think it's a great idea. Uh, you know, sort of bringing Xbox titles to Switch is a 
is a, a definitely a good idea. Uh, it opens up more avenues, like you've been saying. The main reason why I've been quiet is because you're practically saying everything I could have said. Like I'm, I'm looking at it here. Uh, the Xbox Games Pass costs $11 Australian per month. If they keep it something low around that price, so you know, nine ninety nine US or uh, eleven bucks Australian, whatever you want to call it, uh, and keep it as a separate service that people don't have to get, but if they want to get it, they can get it. Then good on them. You know, I could see it going like gangbusters. Uh, again, it all comes down to what are Xbox wanting to put out there? Are they looking to just maybe bring on? Uh, Xbox 360 titles, or are they going to bring on full-blown Xbox One titles? Or are they going to go back to Xbox? You know, who know who knows what their their current plans are for it? But who knows? It could, this could even start opening up the door to certain uh, fantasy projects that people have been wanting for decades. Like you know, maybe a HD GoldenEye that's not an April Fool's joke. <laughs> or, uh, you know, hell, Rare being allowed to, to work with Nintendo titles again. You know, this could open the door to those type of things happening that people have been wanting for decades. You know what? It's funny that you say that because I was thinking about that when I heard the news. And I was like, wait, somebody did an April Fool's joke about this last year. of Something about GoldenEye and Microsoft having access to it. You think about that now. If this actually does happen, Microsoft could legitimately go to Nintendo like, we want to use this license. And then you would have predicted the future, Josh. Yeah. In that case, I need to uh, open up a little shop, get a crystal ball, and call myself Miss Cleo. Call me now. Oh, do you oh, want to be her? Yeah, pretty reading. <laughs> you want to be her. She didn't make it out too well. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is a great bit of information. I think this is a great bit of a great rumor. If it does come to fruition, it would only help to benefit everybody not just Switch owners, if it comes to every platform out there. I, again, I do have a problem with that because it would kind of make me feel, I don't know, I, I guess it would kind of cheapen the experience of buying actual hardware. But as Microsoft has stated, that the hardware will still be required if you want to experience the best of the best of the best. So I don't have any problems with that. That's fine. I'm cool so with it that. Could be, so it could be possible that the Game Pass on the Switch is sort of a downgraded version so instead of running it, say, you know, 1080p or 4K or whatever it can do on the Xbox One consoles, we might only have 720p restricted on the Switch just due to hardware limitations. Well, something like that, right. Because just like you said, you know, 4K, you're not going to get 4K on the Switch. You're not going to stream 4K to anything for a game. It's just not going to happen. So hardware is still going to be your best bet. So no different than... Uh, all the cloud services out there right now for PC to play games. If you want to play the game the way it's supposed to be played, you play it on the PC without the streaming services. The streaming services are a convenience. You want to play it, but your machine can't handle it, here you go. But if you have the best machine out there and you want to play the game, then you should play it locally. And I think that's what this is going to come down to. As far as cat uh, category catalog selection, we have no idea. We'll have to wait. Hopefully we hear something about that at E3. Uh, speaking about E3 and while we're talking about Microsoft, there are also rumors that Microsoft will be bringing two new consoles to E3 this year. Consoles that people have been talking about for some time. Uh, the Lockhart, codename Lockhart, and codename Anaconda. Uh, Lockhart is supposed to be a scaled-down version of what Anaconda is. Anaconda looks to be, imagine the Xbox One X 
and then imagining a system more powerful than that. And this time around, this one will be running the Zen architecture, which is what everybody wanted the Xbox One X to actually have. But more than anything, and these specs were specs that were possibly leaked last year. They're still not confirmed. They're saying it's going to have 16 gigs of DDR6 memory, one terabyte of solid-state hard drive space, eight cores and 16 threads. I mean, we're talking about a, a full-blown PC now. 16 plus teraflops? Okay, this is a console, and just those specs right there, I'm looking at six to $700. The whole appeal of a console was that you got to get everything out of the box, no running through configurations like you would on PC, and they would be a cheaper experience. These specs are not cheap. I mean, even looking at Lockhart, Lockhart, like I say, is a skeleton version of the Anaconda, but it has similar specs. So these consoles, if they're real, are going to be $500 at the bare minimum. Remember when the Xbox One X came out and it was $599, people looked at it like, you must be crazy. There's no way in hell I'm going to pay you $600 for a console, but yet here we go with this. And Sony's working on their new console, and the specs are likely going to be the same, just like the Xbox One, Xbox, uh, PlayStation, Xbox One X, and PlayStation 4 Pro. Their architecture is similar because it's all coming from AMD, and they're not giving anybody any super customized architecture. So chances are, if we're seeing this from Microsoft, we might have we might see this for uh, the PlayStation 5 as well. Uh, that's pretty bold. From some from coming from somebody from the IT background. Those specs are crazy powerful for a console. We're talking native 1080p, 60 frames per second, 4K gaming easily. There's no way in hell these things are going to be cheap. No way. It's just not happening. And I would love to see these guys announced officially at E3, especially if they're coming soon. I will be at GameStop or eBay or wherever I need to go to trade in my Xbox One X because that's what, I, that's do. what I do. See that? See that's the, the the big thing. There is the price. Like you're saying, six seven hundred dollars. You look at how many people cringed when uh, the Xbox One price was announced. But then you had Sony who came out with similar specs and everything with the early console. Like this was before you had the One X and the the S and all that. And Sony came out and went, "Hey, guess what? We're going to give you the exact same thing, two hundred dollars cheaper." And flipped off everybody in the crowd, walked away, went, hey, we won A3. Uh, I could possibly see Sony doing that. Sony have been known to do things at a loss, especially uh, early PlayStation 2, 3, and 4. They've always taken a loss on the consoles. But uh, as for what Microsoft are planning to do, like, which is the one that you said that doesn't have the, the tray? Um, it would be a Lockhart. Yeah, so Lockhart not having a tray, that's going to turn off a lot of users. Like, it's going to turn off your casual people because let's let's face it, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a, a Microsoft hater. Um, having actually recently experienced owning a play, uh, an Xbox One myself, the only thing I really used the damn thing for was to watch movies. And it's because it's, it is one of the cheapest uh, 4K players out there. 
Oh, see, I, I did caution you about that. I did tell you that if there's nothing on that system for you to play, don't pick up the system. This is Microsoft's Achilles. I was offered Achilles. a damn good deal, dude. That was a problem. <laughs> this is Microsoft's Achilles. They have virtually nothing, and I love the company, and I love the Xbox. They have virtually nothing to offer the casual gamer. Okay, I take that back. They have Cuphead and they have Ori. Yeah, they, they have little smatterings here and there. And like to be honest, I mainly bought my Xbox One S when it was offered to me because it was a half price. It went for it was the uh, the Gears of War four bundle with Red Dead Redemption two and uh, Forza four for like three hundred bucks instead of six hundred. See, here's what's killing them. So, so that, that's the only reason why I bought it. And then I end up using, at the end of the day, I use it as a Blu-ray player. I use it as a 4K player to, to give that a try. Uh, again, I don't. It's one of these things of a lot of people are going to start getting turned off if you have something that doesn't have any physical media drive, because there still are a lot of countries out there that can't stream anything properly. Hell, even the US, from what I keep hearing from yourself, Keith, is you know the internet's not stable enough through the companies in order to, to keep something streaming proper, especially at high quality. And you guys have one of the better infrastructures in the, on the planet. The problem that we have... to old, old, old Australia here. The problem that we have with that is we have a lot of companies, ISPs, and they like to screw us over. We have a lot of infrastructure in place. A lot of people are still... A lot of areas are still using DSL. I mean, fiber is taking over. Cable is around. Files is doing great. I have files. And I love it. I have no quarrel of it. I can do whatever I need to do. Comcast is there. I, I don't really like the customer service, but the speeds have gotten a lot better. But you still have people that are using like Spectrum and Cablevision and things like that that are barely usable. So it's not just the the, uh, the infrastructure, but also the fact that they put bandwidth caps on stuff. Some people have like a 250 gig bandwidth cap. What the, what what are you gonna do with that? Two hundred fifty gigs. That's like downloading that's, that's, a couple that's, games. I was about to say that's downloading Red Dead Redemption Two, isn't it? And you're done. <laughs> oh. So uh, yeah, that's a big problem, which is why I've said before, streaming will never be commonplace. Will never take over an actual console or, or a PC because of the bandwidth requirements. Um, getting back to not having a physical tray. It, it really depends on your preference. Like me, maybe I take this for granted, but I have multiple Xboxes, multiple PlayStations. So I can play stuff and have access to the CD or the, or the DVD drive. But for example, my, my, my home theater PC, my streaming PC, my 4K TV PC, I don't have a tray. I don't have a CD drive. I don't have a Blu-ray drive because there's zero reason to have it. If I want to watch something... I will stream it or I will play it off of Plex to the to the server or to the actual PC. So it depends on your situation. I mean, a lot of people have been saying for a while they want a console without a disc tray because they feel it adds an extra price for a feature they just don't use. So it's it's you know two different uh, sides of a coin. Yeah, yeah but that's yeah. that's the thing, Keith. A lot of people aren't you. Not everybody has like every single bit of everything and can afford to go and do it, you know, 600 different ways. You know, look at someone like myself. I have a PC, I have a PlayStation, I have a TV. You know, I also have a Switch. 
that's about it. And that's and that's worth and that's worth you know what most common people have. And when you you look at it from a sort more common folk ideal, to take away physical media, when as you're saying, you know, there's still people who are running on bandwidth caps and stuff like that. It's not going to be beneficial, and I, I don't see that particular console running well. But your only option is going to be the next one up, which is going to be the more expensive console, and people are sort of going to start getting turned away. So maybe Microsoft looking into maybe doing the Game Pass on other consoles might be a way of sort of future-proofing themselves against a possible backlash against the hardware. Well, I'm looking at the specs, like I said. They're very similar. The only difference between these two, and again, these are leaked. They're not confirmed by Microsoft, is Lockhart has the same core threads using the same processor. The GPU is going to be lower. It's going to be able to do four terabytes and above, where the Anaconda, which is a higher spec console, will have 12 teraflops and higher. Uh, Lockhart will have 12 gigs of memory versus the 16 Anaconda has, and it will have the same hard drive. Now, that's not a bad drop, to be honest with you. I mean, what is the Xbox One X teraflops? I, I need to check that out. How much? At one point, I, I would know they would have. Freaking teraflops, all I think is Ric Flair flops. Xbox One has six <laughs> teraflops. So, I mean, four plus, four plus can be anything. It could be five, it could be six, it could be seven. I mean, PlayStation 4 Pro is 4.2 teraflops. I don't know why it came with that arbitrary number of 4.2, but whatever. So, I mean, that's not a bad deal. And again, there's two there's two SKUs. So it's like, you want this one without the disk drive? You want this one that does have a disk drive? Obviously, disk drive is going to cost more money. I, I get what you're saying, it's, it's but it's not just me who's saying it. There, there have been a lot of people saying, hey, I don't use my disk drive. And there's a lot of people saying, you know, I only brought my Xbox for the Blu-ray player. It's no different than when the PlayStation came out and were like, hey, I can watch movies on the PlayStation. I'm buying a PlayStation. I mean, that helped move a shit ton of PlayStation 4s. So, it's it's again, it's either way. It's going to be interesting at E3 to see if these consoles actually come out, if they're actually announced and they're coming because if Microsoft officially announces their stuff, we get to now see what Sony's going to do. Which is going to be interesting. You know, I hate to see another another console war, but okay, we won't say console, we'll say hardware war. How about that? Yeah, and my take on this whole thing is honestly, a lot of people might be put off by just having a hard drive in there and no disk drive. But if we take a look at another story about Samsung discontinuing Blu-ray players because physical media is on the downturn in favor of, you know, streaming services, it's an inevitability. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people, myself included, who love to hold that physical copy of the game in their hands. It's satisfying to put a disc in, and yes, there's load times, whatever, and all that fun stuff. And just play a game and seeing it on your shelf in physical format, you can reach out, touch, grab, feel, smother, whatever you want is a great feeling because it's a sense of ownership. You don't get that with all digital. However, the flip side is the way everything is going in this day and age with streaming becoming more and more popular, we are eventually going to get pushed into an all digital age and it's already starting. I've said it 
literally five years ago on my Pulse and Radio podcast that in five years' time, we will see a streaming medium start to take over. I was right because it's starting to happen. It's not going to be a flip that's going to be switched and all of a sudden we wake up tomorrow and everything's digital, but everything is starting to head towards that direction. And yes, there will be resistance. The fans are going to be a little bit angry with Microsoft for it. But in the end, all Microsoft has to do, all Sony has to do, all Nintendo has to do is to start releasing consoles that do not take cartridges or discs and do it on a streaming service. And everyone's just going to basically have to accept it. And they're going to find out it's not going to be as bad as they think. Now, obviously, the X factor is American Internet. Yes, we get screwed up the ass with American Internet. Slower speeds, bad company, um, customer service is atrocious. Some of it's outsourced. I mean, there's, there's tons and tons of things wrong with American internet infrastructure even though we have the best one in the world we don't utilize it to its fullest potential and that's just the american greed that's the capitalism that's all that fun stuff that's a business podcast that can talk about that crap but yeah all that fun stuff let's not do that <laughs> yeah but i will say as a comcast user i do have to give them some props because i started off on my internet plan at 50 gigabits um every single month and then they basically uh, up my speed to 75, then up to 100, and now I'm actually up to 150. So I've tripled my speed with Comcast over the years, and I'm still getting charged the same price. Well, that's so, good. yeah, that is good on them. So they are recognizing that consumers do need faster internet, and with the future coming, with you know Microsoft possibly releasing a console without a disk drive, I mean. I, I think it's a good time for companies to finally, you know, let the, uh, how should I say, not the handcuffs, but I guess like t- loosen the wrench a little bit and give, you know, consumers a little bit faster speed for the same price, especially when years ago, and I don't even know what it is today, but years ago, it was talked about that it takes only like 50 cents for a company to provide like one gigabit of bandwidth to a consumer. I mean, they're making hella bank off of us. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they've been lying to us for years, telling us that you know it's expensive to get these the bandwidth out to us. It's expensive for the infrastructure, and, and they make that multiple times over. But to the uninformed, we don't know that. We just say, "Oh, okay, that makes sense," and we listen to them. Yep, exactly. And my attitude towards all of this is, you know what? Cool, make a console without a disk drive. I don't care because sooner or later. Everyone's going to have it. It's the nature. It's the evolution of things. All I care about are the games because that's what you buy a console for. You play the games. Show me a reason to buy your console through your exclusives, and I'll buy it. That's my bottom line. Well, I, uh, we're out of topics. You know, this is. I think this is a great return to our podcast forum. I know we're a little rough, but I've actually enjoyed doing this. I've really missed doing these podcasts, and I'm going to throw it out there for anybody who listens to this podcast. If there's a topic that you would like for us to check out, for us to look into, to, to, to converse, send it up, send it our way. If you're even thinking about coming onto the podcast, if you are in the game industry and you want to talk about the game industry with us, we would love to have you here. Just hit us up and we will talk about that. Uh, I guess before we go, I know there's a bunch of games coming out. Is there any particular game that either one of you two are looking forward to? 
Um, well, the game I was looking forward to actually just came out, and I received it back on Tuesday. That was Steins Gate Elite. Um, obviously, I am a huge anime fan, and with that territory, I am also a fan of visual novel video games. And Steins Gate, which came out way back in 2003, got re-released this year. Um, they replaced all the still scenes with actual moving animated scenes from the television anime. They've added new content, um, new characters, all that cool stuff. So I got to go through and play the new story routes and all that fun stuff. And I got the collector's edition. So I got a cool um, cloth poster of my waifu, Makise Kurisu. So <laughs> that made me happy. And it also came with a really cool hardcover storyboard book. So even though it's like all scribbled in Japanese, you can actually see every single story route that was implemented into the game all boarded out in with notes and all that cool stuff. So it was really cool. I, I thought it was money well spent. Um, so I'll be looking forward to playing that this weekend. What about you, Carl? Uh, I'm still playing through backlogs. Uh, I'm still <laughs> playing. I'm still playing Resident Evil Two Remake because that's fucking awesome. Uh, yes, I've got Kingdom Hearts Three that I'm still playing through. I've actually oh, wait, got. The... Wait, 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 wait! You're playing Kingdom Hearts? Uh, I thought you wasn't going to play that. They sent me a copy. Uh... Pass, hard pass on that one. I, I can't get into that, that storyline. Yeah, I've played 1 and 2. I've, I've had the 1.5s and all that stuff and played through all those. So, um, so when it comes to the storyline, I understand what I'm getting into. Uh, but yeah, just I figured I, I gave it a go at PAX, and I promised that I'd give it a go when the full version came out. So that's what I'm doing. Fair enough, um, fair enough. EA also sent me a copy of Anthem. Which, yeah. Uh, now, now, now the official launch has actually happened. I'm going to wait probably about another patch before I actually jump on it, because I want that thing to be actually stable before I give it a review. Just because with games like that, if you jump on it on launch day, of course you're going to have a bad time, and, and we all know that as being people who play Blizzard games like World of Warcraft for decades. Also, uh, as for what's coming up, there's not much coming up in February with only like. You know, five days left. Uh, but March, man, March is looking good. Dead or Alive mm-hmm. 6, friggin' Devil May Cry 5. I know all three of us are actually looking forward to the Vision 2 coming out. Yes. We'll give that a good run. And yeah, there's like, there's good stuff coming up on the horizon. Hell, friggin' April, of all for all times of April, we've got Mortal Kombat 11 coming out and that is the only game looking forward to in april thank god uh, i'm 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 waiting on days gone uh I'm, that, that, that's been it's been hyped up so many e3s in a row and stuff like that i'm glad to just see it finally coming out and i'll happily uh give that a go i mean it still has crackdown three but nobody plays that that's why it's already gone on Xbox's little uh, Xbox Game Pass already after being out for like two weeks. Yeah, no, they, every every game that's published by Microsoft hits Game Pass day one. Every Man, I only bought the first Crackdown for the Halo Three beta. Let's be right? honest. Right? That's exactly exactly. Uh, as for myself, I'm pretty much echoing what you guys said, but I will send a couple of games. I'm playing Dead or Alive Six for a review. There was a really amazing shoot 'em up that came out a couple of days ago called Devil Engine. It reminds me of Thunder Force. It has been kicking my ass and having me screaming because the game is so damn hard. This is how bad the game is. There are two difficulties by default. Very easy 
and very hard. And if you play him very easy, it taunts you. When I asked the developer, why is there not a normal mode? He said, well, think of very hard as the normal mode. And I was like, wait, there's another difficulty? He said, yes, there's another difficulty to unlock after you play it on very hard. So uh, that's ridiculous. So I'm going to keep playing that game until I can actually beat it. Um, so, so, what, so what's the name of this other this other difficulty? Is it past the lube or something? Jesus. <laughs> I, I guess so, because very hard is already kicking my ass. But, you know, I'm waiting for a gamer to go on YouTube and post their one CC run the entire game. I know it's going to happen. Um, yeah, people um, are crazy like that. Yeah, they do. They do. As far as right. March, uh, Devil May Cry 5, definitely The Division 2, of course, and Sherico Shadows Die Twice. I probably butchered that name. But it's from from software, and as you know, I'm a big Dark Souls fan, so I will be playing that game nonstop. It gives me Neo vibes, to be honest. I can't wait for that game to come out. But other than that, yeah, I have this huge backlog of games I need to do. But for right now, it'll be Devil Engine and Dead or Alive Six for this review. As for Anthem, uh, I do subscribe to the EA or Origin service. I've played a lot of it. Um, I'm probably 11 hours into the game, and it is very rough. The gameplay is a lot better than it did in the beta, but the game is still very rough. I don't think I'm going to commit any more time to it until they fix the issues. And the game, they already came out with a roadmap for the game, a 90-day roadmap. Just pictures. Just freaking pictures. And I'm like, the game just came out. You got a roadmap already. And the first thing in the roadmap in the picture says optimization. And I'm like, shouldn't that have been the first thing you should have done before the game came out? Uh, this is Bethesda, dude. No, 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 no. This is uh, Bioware. Bioware and EA. I, I feel bad for Bioware. because Oh, God, that's just as bad. If this game doesn't do well, I think Bioware is done. I think they're done. You already had the B team that did Mass Effect Andromeda, and you saw what happened to that. If this game, does, if this game bombs... I can easily see EA going, well, you're done, Bioware, taking them out to the back and putting the bullet to their head. They're known for that. I really want Anthony to be good, but oh well. I'm done. I'm done. I've, I literally just, I'm done. I need a beer. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm really sad. So, so I suppose we should probably shill things then. Yeah. Uh, sexy radio voice person. Won't you take us out of here, please? All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for episode one of Spectator Mode. Thank you all for joining us here tonight. If you wish to follow us, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on YouTube, hit us up on Facebook, do all the social media things. Just search for The Outer Haven and you will most likely find us. So until next time, I'm Joshua Piedra, JJ Jeremiah, all those other good nicknames, the otaku of the internet, and many others saying, Godspeed to all you out there in Radio Land. Peace.